0: Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We're glad you're here. In just a moment, we're gonna jump into this week's message. But before we do, I wanna encourage you to connect with us online. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and this very podcast. We wanna stay connected. So another great way to do that is be our guest on a Sunday. I'd love to invite you to be here. If you're local, come out, we wanna meet you. Get to know you, worship with you. We'd really, really enjoy your company. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's message.
1: Um, I, I grew up with the last name Yaden. And um I quickly learned in kindergarten that that is not as cool as I thought it was when I was little. When I was really little, I thought, man, I've got a neat last name. And then in kindergarten, I realized that means I'm at the end of every line. Did anybody else grow up with the last of the line name? Come on, I got some, we are the end of the liners here today. <laughs> I was last for recess, I was last for lunch, I was last for everything. When they were doing hearing tests, when I grew up in school, we would do hearing and sight tests. I don't know if they still do that, but we get in a box and they'd have a little sound they'd play and you'd push a button. Does anybody remember that? I was an amazing button pusher. I was—they so, kept calling me back. They're like, "You're so good at pushing buttons." We need to keep calling you back. And then I discovered it wasn't because I was good. It was because I was missing half the sounds, and they had to do surgery. <laughs> but I was last even in that line. I was just always last. And uh, you know, I was talking to my daughter, and she she wanted to be in drama. And then we discovered that her school uh, picks electives based on alphabetical order. And so, like, ah, oh, my poor sissy. Like, she's struggling to get the drama. <laughs> Stupid last name. I was in um, uh, T-Ball. T-Ball was fun. I remember, I still have one of those memories from T-Ball, like throwing the ball from the outfield in and just feeling like everybody saw how amazing that was. Anybody have those memories from you when you're a kid? You're like, yeah, they saw that. And then after T-Ball, we did coach pitch, which is the dads would throw the ball to you and then after that we had where the the kids would kind of uh help and and then we got to the point where we were finally doing like actual little league and that you know that's when the jersey goes from being like some some local like Max Sporting Goods, some some local like First National Bank or whatever, to like an actual like embroidered cool shirt, you know. And and I was so excited to be a part of that. And, and I, I put a lot of effort into being good at baseball as a kid. I played it all the time. I, it it rained almost every day of the year where I grew up, and we would be out there playing in the mud. I just I was all about it. And I remember trying out for Little League and. I watched all my friends go through the tryout process, and and I was last in the line. I was last in the line, and I remember when i when i finally got up to to do my, my thing and they they would you know hit balls to you and you had to field the balls and get them to first base and they'd hit pop flies you got to catch them and rocket them you know back to first or whatever and then you got to hit you got to see if you can hit and and i did really i did pretty good like like looking back like even then i knew like i, I was pretty competent as a, as a little kid playing baseball, I wasn't great, I wasn't the best of the pack, but I was pretty good, and, and I had been playing with the same kids for a long time, and my friends and I all expected that I would probably be on their team with them until I, I noticed that like as the, as the dads are all you know recording their little information as the kids are trying out, I, I just found it to be unique that myself and the other two last kids in line did not get on a little league team pretty heartbroken as a little guy, and also knowing that it wasn't because I wasn't good. It was simply because all the spots had already been filled. They were just filling everybody on the spots, and I just happened to be one of the last three, which wasn't all that bad. I just went back to the league I was in before, and I dominated those little kids, (laughs) wrecked them. I was a hero for like three months. It was amazing. (laughs) And even though now I look back and I realize, like, uh, some, there, there just wasn't enough room on the teams for everybody. Uh, there's this part of me that thinks, man, I, I did good enough to be on that. And I knew some of the other kids. I saw how they played. <laughs> you know? We played at recess. I know they actually couldn't play. And, and in that moment, I felt, I felt underappreciated. I felt unvalued and I felt unseen. And there's been a lot of times in my life when I have felt underappreciated, unvalued, or unseen. And in those moments, I'll find myself giving more, serving more, leaning in more, trying harder to make a bigger difference. But it seems that even when you give with the purest moment motives, and even if you serve with, with the best heart, there's still a part of you that wants to be recognized for what you're doing. Like there's just a part of you that would, that would just love a thank you for, you know, you've been picking up his socks since day one. And you're like, I just want to thank you. I think the desire inside of us for recognition, I, I think it never goes away. There's a part of us that even though we may feel unseen now, we, we always desire to be recognized. And maybe today you're an, you're an introvert and you're like, I actually don't want, I don't want to be the center of the room. But I do want to be the center of someone's attention. Like, what about me? Like, why aren't they noticing what I contribute, what I do, how I think, like, how, what I bring to the table? Because the truth is, so often no one seems to notice. We do things that really deserve recognition, but it seems that so many times, even though we act in ways that should gain approval, we don't get the approval or the recognition we're looking for. And so my, my question today is this. How do we stay faithful when we are still waiting to be noticed? How do we stay faithful to the the dream that God has placed in our heart when we're still waiting to be noticed for that dream? We're, We're in a collection of messages around the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, the word Genesis, it's the first book of your Bible, and the word Genesis means beginnings. That's what it means, beginnings. And so, so this book tells us sort of the the idea of like human origins, like the purpose behind that. It tells us like uh, the the origins of like all the pain and suffering and dysfunction in the world. Like in, do you know that like the world is dysfunctional? <laughs> it's actually not everybody else. It's you too. Let's just just say it. I'm dysfunctional. <laughs> hey. Like, it talks about the, like, the way the, the world is dysfunctional, why there's suffering in the world, why there's sickness in the world, why there's just all this, like, it's all of that. But 80% of the book of Genesis circles around one family and specifically three members of that family. A man named Abraham, his son Isaac, and his son Jacob. These three are sort of the, the leaders of uh Living for God by faith, they're sort of the, the founders of, of, of turning towards God and faith, not knowing the end, but following him by faith. And Jacob had sons, and today we're in the middle of a series on Jacob's youngest son. His name is Joseph, and eventually there's another son that replaces him as youngest, but for now in the story, he is the youngest of a packload of boys, and the Bible tells us the story of how God had began to give this young man dreams. And we talked about it two weeks ago, how God gives him dreams, but those dreams come with details. And the details looked like his brothers resenting him for what God had placed in his heart, his brothers abusing him and throwing him in a pit, leaving him to die, and then deciding we're just going to turn a profit on him. We're going to sell him. Has anybody ever had their siblings try to sell them? Just you and me, because my sister tried to sell me on a radio program called Problem Corner. Thankfully, my parents were in the other room and realized she was selling the baby. This, this young man is sold to slave traders, and then his brothers take his nice clothing that he was wearing and they they rip it and they cover it in the blood of an animal and, and bring that back to dad so that their dad would forget him and not go looking for him. If he had only been lost, their father would have gone to find him. But instead they say, we're going to ensure that no one is coming for Joseph. And that's all happening in chapter 37 of Genesis. And it says he was taken by the Midianite traders. And then chapter 38 is the family story back to normal. The family goes about their regular business. They've forgotten about the sold son. They've forgotten about this kid that is now in slavery. And it takes an entire chapter as though the Bible is just kind of going on with business as usual to circle back and say, oh, yeah, let's talk about the boy who is now a slave. So it begins in Genesis 39 like this. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the uh, Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh. He was the king, or he was the king of Egypt. This young man was beaten, he was transported, he had dreams, but he was sold into slavery, and not just sold into slavery, like they put him on some farm somewhere that he might escape. He was sold to. The captain of the guard, which I think if there's anyone that knows how to keep someone captive, it's the captain of the guard. It was a pretty bleak outlook for this young man. It was, his life took a turn that he had never anticipated. And, and so I wonder today, can, can you relate to this? Do you have your own Egypt experiences. Maybe for you, you would just say, how did did I get here? I I didn't start out this way. How did I get here? Does does anyone care? This is outside my own ability to control it. Does, Does anyone see how I'm suffering? Does anyone know how hard I'm actually trying because I'm not where I thought I would be? And he was sold to a man named Potiphar. It was a a situation he did not envision. Like like Potiphar is not just a boss. Potiphar's not a roommate. Potiphar is a slave owner. This means that Potiphar's worldview is that he has the right to own another human as property. He views Joseph as some sub-human, as though humans are at different level based on their place in life, and this is like the pinnacle of immorality. It's the pinnacle of wickedness, and this is the world that Joseph finds himself in. We've all been there. We've all been in seasons where we look at life and just think, this is not how it was supposed to turn out. And, and I gave it my best shot, but I still didn't get on the Little League team. Can I say that whether you've been living for God for a long time, and there's people in the room you've been living for God for decades, you would say, Jesus is the Lord of my life. And there's people in the room who maybe you're not even a believer, but you, you like what you feel, and so you, you stick around because you feel like it's good for you, like spirituality is good, but your faith isn't in Jesus yet. I'm glad you're here. We all experience being unseen, unvalued, and unappreciated for the efforts we give. But the big difference between someone that believes and someone that doesn't believe is found in the very next verse because the way we deal with it changes. If you don't believe in Jesus, your response to being unseen, undervalued, unknown is gonna be that you're gonna work harder to be seen. You're gonna post more to get more likes. You're you're gonna speak louder to somehow get more engagement and be heard. But for the believer, the biggest difference is not that you're pushing harder, you're trying to be heard more. The biggest difference is that you are not alone. It says this in the next verse, that that Joseph, or that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. This young man had lost his robe. He'd lost his brothers. His father wasn't looking for him. The land he knew was far past, and he, he didn't know anything, but he did not lose God, in the middle of a desolate situation, he did not lose God because God is really hard to shake. It's like playing tag with a gold Olympic medalist and a three-year-old. God just wins. And in this situation, he's he's been brought down because he once had dreams of what God was going to do in his life, but life had details that told him otherwise, And can I just tell you that how they make you feel is not who you are. Someone's inability to see your worth does not decrease your value because your value is not measurable on some spreadsheet, some ROI report. Your value is not measurable in dollars and cents. Your true value doesn't come from the productivity of your life, but it comes from whose you are. When you walk into a room, you bring the light of God into that room. When you walk into that corporate office, you bring the presence of God with you. Your true value isn't in what you produce. It's who you bring with you. You are bought by the blood of Jesus. You are bought with the price. Like Your value comes from whose you are, not what you do, not what they say about you, and not what you have. The Bible tells us that that even in our darkest moment, he is a friend that sticks closer than any brother. The Bible tells us that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. The Bible says that that as a mother would never forget the name of a child that she had. But perchance she ever forget the name of the child. God tattooed your name on his hand so that he could not forget you. You are not alone. Somebody's like, God said tattoos? Read it. Even in Joseph's most difficult situation, when he was undervalued, unseen, and unappreciated, God was with him. That verse goes on and it says, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. Yes. He, he, was, he was close to God, and so he succeeded. Well, what am I what I'm saying? I'm saying... Don't underestimate the value of developing a real relationship with Jesus. Like when, we, when we, we say this around here all the time, but it's not cliche. Like the most important thing you can do in your life is to find a time and a place for God. The most important habit of your life is to find a time in your calendar and a place in your life that is set aside for God. Every day, coming back to him and just spending time with him because when Joseph, he knew that God was with him and because he was with God, he was successful. Not because he did successful things, but because God was with him. But preacher, I don't, I don't feel very successful. Like, I know God's with me, but I don't feel successful. Well, welcome to the club. Because guess what? God's number one thing is He's not in a hurry. He's always on time, but He's never in a hurry. God doesn't wake up Saturday morning and he's like, oh, I forgot all about her. Like, I was supposed to start that job on Thursday, and now it's Saturday, and oh my goodness, she's expecting it by Saturday at three. Like, I got to go. He's like, send the angel. God's not like that. God's like, I'm going to develop some character inside of you. I'm going to develop some dependency inside of you. I'm going to develop some healing inside of you through the difficult seasons. And the next reason we often don't feel successful is because God does not define success the same way we define the success. For God, success looks very different. I would ask you, where do you get your idea of success from? Does success come to you because you're the top of your class? Do you think it's success because you're the class clown? Is it that you're at the top of your industry, that you're liked by certain people, that, that you have enough so that you're now comfortable in life? Is it that you've reached a financial milestone? Is, is it that certain people recognize you as an expert in your field? Is, is that what success looks like? How do you achieve success? Is it by you know rolling up your sleeves and you've got just lots of grit so you can push through anything? Is it determination in the face of adversity? Like Is it 80 hours a week that you're just pushing? Is, is success for you found by being willing to cut corners and to, to stomp or climb over other people so that you can reach the top? Because here's the deal. God is not in that dream of life. He's not in that dream. What God is in is a dream he first gave. A dream for a life that he could bless the entire world through a young man named Joseph. Joseph just didn't recognize that's what God was doing. Joseph saw that God had a dream for his life, but he did not recognize that God's dream for his life was really about a nation. So Joseph has a dream and he's not seeing the dream fulfilled. And he's doing the one thing that is most important in the meantime between a dream and its fulfillment. What matters most is how we manage that meantime. What matters most is how we manage the meantime when we are unappreciated, undervalued, unrecognized. That matters most. He had big plans for the future and a great heart for God, but what is happening right now is he's got to manage the meantime. Learn to manage your meantime because what matters most is not the accolades it's not the prestige it's not the money in the bank and it's not the people cheering your name what matters most is that you learn to manage the meantime how you handle the meantime matters this verse goes on it says that he had much success and he he served <clears throat> As he served in the home of his Egyptian homeboys, (laughs) served in the home of his Egyptian buddy, of his Egyptian papa, no, his Egyptian slave master. Joseph understood the key to this whole idea of managing the meantime is this: is we keep our heart right with God and we serve wherever he plants us. It doesn't, doesn't mean we, 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 we wait and make sure we evaluate the, 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 the philosophical system of Egypt to see if Egypt is, is right for us. No, he serves, and he's making a difference, even though he disagrees with where this Potiphar is going. It's the most powerful words you can speak to somebody are these simple words. How can I help? How can I help? This is Jesus' method. This is Jesus' way. The Bible says that the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come to be noticed. He came to notice. So my life... Becomes richer when I notice. And it becomes more hollow when I insist on being noticed. wonder, like, why, why am I at where I'm at right now, God? Like, why, did, why do you have me here right now? Why, why do I work for this company? Why do I have this group of friends? Why, why am I married to this person? Like, like, why am I in this community of faith? Can I just tell you that maybe it's about God calling you to notice somebody rather than trying to be noticed by somebody? Because as long as we are wondering why no one is noticing us, We will be resentful, irritated, entitled, and we will live transactional lives. But when we look at the meantime as an opportunity to serve others, our lives begin to count, our hearts grow bigger. And we find the peace we've been looking for. I think the difficulty with serving other people is that often the people you serve the most appreciate you the least. God God is great at rewarding what no one else has rewarded. and to give where no one else has given. We we want to serve other people. We want to make a difference in their life. But the truth is, some people just don't appreciate it. Those kids that you've been getting up every morning and getting their clothes set out and making their, their lunches and getting them ready, you know they love you, but you might not get a thank you. That boss that you're putting in the extra time to to, to really help that company move forward, but you don't get a thank you. Sometimes the, the people we serve the most just don't don't appreciate. And it's not because they're being mean. In a very weird, messed up way, it's a compliment. My son is learning to drive. So when he does a U-turn and doesn't hit the curb, I'm like, good job. (laughs) But you've been driving for 20 years. You don't need that. (laughs) I hope. (laughs) Like like if your wife's driving in the car with you and every time you do a (laughs) U-turn or like don't run a red light and she's like, good job, honey. like That that doesn't mean you're a good driver. (laughs) Because when you give, consistently at a certain level it is expected. That's not a bad thing. It's weird, but it's, it's the way it is. Like So for instance, like I, I and this is not me fishing for anything. We had our, our communicators weekend last week, and they killed it, didn't they? They did so good. I, I would encourage you, like, go back and listen to all their messages. They all did so good. And, and, and I'm, I'm certain they got a lot of good, positive feedback. I'm certain of it. But, like, like, I preach every week, and I'm not, I don't get the positive feedback all the time. I'm not asking, I'm certainly not, I, please don't. <laughs> but the reason is because I do this all the time, so it's kind of expected that I'm halfway okay. And that's a compliment, in a, in a really weird, messed up, <laughs> in a weird way. And, and here's the deal, is that... that we can insist on being recognized or we can understand that god is incredibly good at recognizing things that are not recognized in fact jesus tells us that like when we give to other people when we serve other people like don't make a big deal about it he says because god wants to reward publicly what you do privately but if you insist on getting recognition for it now, then that is your reward. Then that is, that is the reward. So the truth is that our, our motives always eventually reveal themselves. And what's going on with this young man, Joseph, is that he's discovering that he's not actually serving Potiphar. He's actually serving God. Yeah, the face to it right now is a, wicked, is a wicked slave master, but he is serving him as though he is serving God because what matters most is how we manage our mean times. Next verse says, Potiphar noticed this, and he realized that the Lord was with Joseph and giving him success in everything he did. You see that? like Potiphar notices exactly what's going on in Joseph's life. Joseph didn't need to be noticed, and so Joseph was noticed. The the, the struggles that we have is that we just have a desperate need to be noticed, to be validated, to be vindicated, to be recognized, to be affirmed. But can I tell you, if you would just submit it to God, eventually he takes care of his own. Like, I, I pastored this small little church in Alaska. Like, Great Sunday, like, Easter would be like 72 people, and I'm lying. <laughs> it was a small church. But, you know, we, 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 we held that small church in our hearts and in our hands as though God was doing incredible things through it. Like, we treated it like God was healing the sick every week, like He's raising the dead every, like, that, that's how we treat, and, and I'm saying, when we came here, we were, we were meeting in a school at the back of, at the back of a field at Nampa Christian in their, in their cafeteria, and some of you were in that room with us, like, for you, you were like, this is a really tiny, tiny room, it's tiny, guess what, in my mind, it was bigger than this room. It was just like filled with people coming to God in my mind. Why? Because I decided, like, we're going to dig wells even when things are small. Like, we're not going to despise small things. We're going to say no. Like, we're going to dig wells of prayer in our life. We're going to, like, study the Word of God. We're going to lean in. We're going to develop relationships through groups. Like, we're going to be a part of what God is doing because it's all about managing the, the meantime and so when God had a place like this that he was going to gift to, to a people, it wasn't that he was like, oh, Roger's amazing. because it's not it. He's just looking for someone that's going to manage the meantime because this is also a meantime. Yeah. I think some of you, I, I, because you, 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 you're able to experience the blessing of, of this kind of a space, I'm just telling you, for me, it is like an absolute miracle. For me, it's it's a miracle on the level of somebody like growing back a leg. The hard part is is that when we're in the meantime, God just isn't ever in a hurry. I just wish he would, but he doesn't. He allows us to wait. Why? Because what matters most is how we manage the meantime. Because how we manage the meantime, it's not about goals. It's not about successes. It's not about acquiring. It's not about what they might think about you. It's about I have a heart that loves God and is going to serve the people around me. And when you do that, God blesses you with success. If you want God to bless you, quit waiting for the best opportunity. Quit waiting for the doors to open. Instead, say, I'm going to manage the meantime while I'm unseen, unappreciated, and unknown and the next verse says this this pleased Potiphar and so soon he made Joseph his personal attendant and he put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned and from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property listen the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All of his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and his livestock. Can I just tell you that God will bless the people around you because of your faithfulness to God? Like, Like this is throughout scripture. This is later in Joseph's life. God blesses the entire nation of Egypt because of Joseph's faithfulness, which then blesses all the surrounding nations because of Joseph's faithfulness. God elevates a young man named Daniel, and Daniel is faithful to a wicked and corrupt king, and God blesses the entire kingdom because of Daniel. I'm just telling you, like, like I agree, as believers, we need to know what we believe. I believe that as <laughs> believers, we have to have convictions for what is right and what is wrong. But that does not mean that we withdraw and cloister ourselves off into the, the obscure parts of society. No, when the believers are faithful to the things of God, he blesses the nation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that if you would be faithful faithful to what God has planted in your heart your boss would be blessed your workplace would be blessed your family would be blessed if you would be faithful those that are far from God would experience the goodness of God in their life because of your faithfulness preacher if i just had if i just had the right the right things work out in my life no if, if it was all perfect no 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 You've got to understand Joseph's perspective. Joseph had his robe of dignity ripped from him. He was thrown into a pit. He was sold to a slaver, somebody that had a horrible, immoral view of the world, and yet he remained faithful and God blessed. He was left for dead and God blessed because what matters most is how you manage The meantime, as the band would come, I'm just telling you that we've got to begin to realize that when we make the most of whatever God puts in our laps, God can bless those around us. And if you're waiting for someone else to give their best, for you to be able to give your best, you will miss it. Because what matters most is how we manage the meantime. If you feel like you you if you just had another opportunity, if you just had a better chance, if if someone would just notice how smart you are, how eloquent you are, how good you are with numbers, then that would change everything and I'm telling you that's not what you need. What you need to know is that the most important thing is how we manage our meantime What makes this so hard is that people honor and people bless what they can see, what they can hear, what they can taste, what they can put their hands on. When people see a a nice building, they say, oh, good work. When people taste a great meal, they say, oh, you're such a good chef. When people hear a beautiful sound, they say, oh. You're such a good musician. When, when people see that the budgets are balanced, they're like, oh, what a beautiful mind. And because of that, what often happens is that people reward what they can see, but they don't reward what they can't see. It's not that they're mean. They just don't perceive it. And so you might be in week 3 of recovery and no one's saying a congratulatory word to you. It's not because they're mean. It's that we are just wired to congratulate and honor what we see. And you might have been been somebody that has just stood with good character in the unseen moments and nobody sees the fortitude that you've got, but I'm telling you, like there's someone who rewards what's unseen, but the people around you just don't see it. Like like you may have like forgiven that person that slandered you and nobody else saw it and they didn't think anything of it but I'm telling you there's a God whose name is El Roy he's he's the God who sees like he's the God who sees things other people don't see he sees the faithfulness he sees the character he sees the concern he sees the compassion he's the God that sees when you had to get a second job just to put food on the table He's the God that saw you when you were crying on your face asking for provision. He's the God that sees when you're asking him to heal. He's the God that that he he saw you when you were waiting for restoration in a broken marriage. He's the God that sees those moments. He's the God that sees you when you forgave when they said something that was unforgivable. He's the God that sees when you bless somebody even though it hurts you. He's the God that sees you even when your spouse didn't see you. He's the God that sees you even when your boss didn't... recognize or care. He's the God that sees even when your grandkids don't seem to value your time. The writer of Hebrews says it like this. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain what you hope for will come true would you stand with me all across the room Your God sees you. And He's bringing you success. And your value is not measured on what other people think about you, what they say about you, what you possess, what you've acquired and accomplished. Your value comes because you are His. He sees you. And I know that a message like this isn't for everybody. I feel like there's some people in this room that God's been speaking to you for the last few minutes. You felt his presence close. Would you you raise your hands to God? I I just want us to pray. Raise your hands in kind of a, like a receiving posture. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit have your way in this room. I pray you'd begin to mend some broken hearts right now. That you bring confidence to the insecure right now. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke every spirit of rejection in this place right now. That every spirit of envy would drop from our from our lives right now. That we would hold firm and hold fast to the truth. That we were bought with your price you are faithful to us when no one else sees. So right now I pray for that person that's been faithful in obscurity, that's been faithful when no one else saw it. I pray right now that God would bind up the wounds of life, that he would strengthen the walls of your life, he would encourage you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, bring your reign, your Holy Spirit reign into our lives. That those that feel unseen, unappreciated, and unvalued, that they would find all of that in you. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're in the room today, and for you, you resonated with the idea of this message, but the thing that makes you very different from Joseph is that the Lord was with Joseph, and in a moment of honesty you would say, the Lord's not with me because I have not allowed that in my life. If you're in this room and you want to mend that right now and be brought into a relationship with God where he's with you, can you put your hand up so I can see who you are? I see those hands. we got some shy hands this year. we got a couple bold ones. Come on, it's okay. You're in a room full of people that support this. You're in a room full of people that, that want you to find peace with God. Here's, here's what we're going to do. He's already forgiven you. When Jesus died on the cross, it was for you. That's done. All you need to do is repent and believe. This is simply receiving what he's already done. Here's how we do it. When we repent, it means we are turning away from the things in our life that we think, do, or say that don't please God. And we're believing in the death of the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. When we do this, his blood cleanses us from all sin. He makes us right with God. So for those of you that raised your hands, I want you to pray something like this. Use your own words. I'll give you the outline, something like this. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. Would you forgive me? I'm turning from them now. I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me, that he was buried for three days and when he rose, he rose for me. All power, all the power of heaven in his hands. So right now I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope in Jesus Christ alone. Say these words with me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's a bunch of people that just made the best decision of their lives. Good job. So proud of you. Good job. Come on, let's respond and worship today.
0: Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church, to find out more. We love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.